Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roka Report podcast in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav. And you join us once again to talk about how Sunderland got beat at the weekend. Um, unfortunately for these guys, they're going to spend at least half an hour with me uh, mulling over <laughs> everything good and bad about Sunderland at the minute, mostly bad. Uh, first of all, Martin's with me. Hi, Martin. Hello, mate. Hiya, mate. You, you look... Um, well, it's very dark, so what time is it? It's early here. Ten to nine. Ten to nine after having about... Well, three and a half hours sleep last night. For oh, lovely. Getting up to watch the game, trying to get back to sleep and mulling over everything that went wrong. <laughs> and we're also delighted to be joined by BBC Look North's Jeff Brown. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Hi, guys. Hiya, mate. We'll, we'll let the listeners in on this. We've had a few IT problems, but we're there now, aren't we, Jeff? We're ready to talk. <laughs> it, it's, that's, what, that's probably why we're a bit more chirpy than we should be. It's even a... more trying than watching the game. It yeah, was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's the Zoom it. to work. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll come to you first, Jeff. Not to bring the mood down, but Sunderland, what's what's going on? In your opinion, what's going on? Why why have we just capitulated? Because we sit here nearly every week and and talk about it, and we, we've got our own theories on things. But you've got a different perspective, being obviously from the from the local press. So, what, what do you think's going wrong at Sunderland at the minute? Wow, that's a... <laughs> it's a big question. I don't even got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, no one should be should be that surprised by it because it's happened so often, so often in the past. I think it's just that it's happened so quickly and it's been so dramatic. You know, the end of the year, top of the league, five 0 against Sheffield Wednesday, probably best performance of the season, and then suddenly, you know, two months, nine games later, and they just completely fallen off the edge of the cliff. Alex Neil, I, I was at Wimbledon last week and Alex Neil hit the nail on the head straight away and, and said what a lot of people had been thinking. You know, the, in, 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 in when he says it, it's fairly obvious. You've got a lot of young kids in the team who have not played at this level before, not played so many games of football in a season. They're probably you know, under 23s. They probably play about 20 games all year. They're now going to be playing about 50. Yeah. Um, they look physically and mentally tired and then on the other hand you've got more experienced guys who have either just come into the team but have hardly played like yeah. Jermaine Defoe well short of match fitness and not many alternatives you know not not much in between and the imbalance is the team has just looked so unbalanced at the moment and I think the when you look beyond that you think yeah he spotted it straight away what can you do there is there appears to be no quick fix for this 
Mm. And, you know, you can't, you can't hammer the young lads and people like Dan Neal, who, who started off the season like a whirlwind and he thought, wow, this kid looks great. You know, poor lad, when he put, when he put that, that pass into touch yesterday, you could just see the weight of the world on his shoulders. And Callum Doyle, where he was breezing through games at the start of the season, is now, as soon as he gets it, he's, I mean, how many passes were there between the, between the, the centre-backs <laughs> and the keeper? Because there's now that fear, if I put a ball forward and it, and it doesn't come off, then, you know, the fans are, are, are going to be are going to be on my back a bit. So, yeah, yeah it's um, and who, and who do you blame? I don't know. Would Lee Johnson have done any better? I suppose you got he's got a. It was he built this team and they, and you know there are no ready made replacements for Alex Neal to to come in on. So would he? Would Lee Johnson have done any better? I, I, I personally think they, probably, they shouldn't have sacked him. You know, it's only a month since he won manager of the month. Let him see the job through. But um, yeah, at the moment there doesn't seem to be. A quick fix, and the yeah. team just looks in free fall. Just glad they've got enough points to make sure they don't go down. <laughs> I, I, that's interesting. What what Jeff says there, Martin, and it's true. There is no quick fix. Like when I when I met with Malk in the bar to record the reaction pod, we were both just totally perplexed. Like, what what do you actually do now? Like everybody knows, including the manager, what the problems are in terms of the playing personnel. We haven't got another left back, so we're flogging this kid. Uh, who's playing there every week, and he's and he's he's been really poor, and you can see he needs to come out with the team. We don't have another left back at centre half. Doyle, as Jeff just pointed out, Doyle is struggling big style. Every time the ball comes up in the air, and and he's looking at it, it's like putting the fear of God into him, and he's making rash decisions and having to recover from them when he's got the ball. And then you look in the midfield, Dan Neal, who was a superstar two or three months ago is now way off the pace, struggling badly, and I'm not digging them out. What I'm saying is is we don't have the options there to replace them. We don't have a left-back and a centre-half, and that's when you have to then look to the guy who makes those decisions and who's overseeing the football operation, Christian Speakman, has basically, he's not adequately built a team in January to get us promoted because we are now desperately short the number of positions. Like, what... What does Alex Neal do? He's got a hard job, hasn't he? And I'm I'm not sure he's he's making it easy for himself with the team selection and tactics that he's he's set out with for the past two games. Mm. It's one of those kind of easy things to assume, isn't it? When you look at if you look at our last few games before he took over, you go, well, the the way to open, they've got too many forwards on the pitch. They need a little bit of defensive stability in in that team. I'll whack another centre midfield player in, and it'll be all right. But you know, you can understand that to a, to an extent in the way game. Like we, I think it was just the day after Lee Johnson got sacked, or the day of Lee Johnson's sacking, where we said, you know, actually, there's a lot of things going right here. At home, we're you know we're knocking up a lot of points. We had the best home record in, in the league at that point. Away from home, we needed to be a little bit more pragmatic, a little bit more defensive, and maybe grind out some points. So you can kind of see the logic in in sort of toughening the the midfield up and giving an extra body in there for an away game, but. You know, you had Dan Neal there, as, as we've said, he needs rest. It's quite clear and simple to, to see. For whatever reason, he decided to put Trey Hume on the bench and put Winchester at right back. Yeah, I was uh, just sorry to butt in on that, but I was we were trying to work out what the decision was with that. Hume had been one of the brighter sparks in the two games he'd started, and I was wondering, has he had a knock during the week? I don't know. I mean, we haven't heard anything. It just seemed but a bit the, bizarre to me. The fact that you take Hume out the side, and I, I think he's actually played well in the last couple of games, you, you remove the, the option of putting Winchester in centre midfield. 
by having three in the centre midfield as well, you're taking Pritchard out of the central areas where he's actually effective and putting him on the wing where he's ineffective. So you've got all of these things that you're kind of looking at and go, you know what, if you'd watched the last three or four games, you might think that's a logical thing to do. If you'd, if you'd watched the, the season at home, you go, you know what, having that three behind Ross Stewart and Stewart up front will blow teams away at home. Mm. And I think the, the team maybe suffered a little bit from, from having that more negative lineup. The crowd suffered a bit from having that negative lineup. And now we had one shot on goal yesterday. And I don't care who we're playing at home. You know, that, that's not right. We, we shouldn't be going or coming out of home games rather having had one shot on target. No. And, you know, it's no wonder that we're not picking up points at home or away. Would you agree with Martin on that, Jeff, in terms of the tactics and stuff? I mean, I, I, you make some valid points there, to be fair. I know Alex Neal's been here two minutes. No, but... absolutely. I thought, I thought Pritchard had one of his least effective games yesterday you know, just because he wasn't as involved. He needs to be on the ball a lot. He's... He's probably the only one at the moment who, who make actually makes things happen for the team. And yeah, it, it was a bit of a surprise. He said afterwards that Alex Neal went to the press conference. He said at half time he had said to the players, if you've got an option to pass the ball forward, don't pass it back, which is what, what they tend to be doing. And that's what you do when you haven't got the confidence and yeah. when you start to worry about, about the crowd's reaction. He thought that Sunderland were the better side in the second half. Not yeah, quite I, sure that was. I heard uh, but, that. But, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So that that that's you know and and but I suppose when you do analyse it, you know they were caught out with the ball down the middle, which with uh, you know quick break. That's that's where both both goals came from. The frustrating thing was, wasn't it, that like in, in that first half we almost got caught out about three or four times with exactly the same ball coming over the top, yeah. in between the centre half and the full back, or in between the two centre halves. And like yeah. we we, can't, we couldn't say that we didn't have warning signs there because they nearly sprung us. I'd say three or four times in the first half, and to, to mm. concede a goal so early in the second half from exactly the same type of thing, yeah, was ridiculous. And there should have been a third one at the end as well, shouldn't well, there? Really? Should have been, right? to, to be fair. And yet, when they equalised for about ten minutes, and and Clark came on and and, and looked actually quite, looked lively and looked like he may, might make things happen, you did think oh, they might actually <laughs> actually would go on and go on and win this. But again, quite interesting that trying to win a game. And Jermaine Defoe stays on the bench, so I'm worried about yeah, Defoe. That's, that's and, a whole, that's a whole other issue. That well, let, let, let's talk about it because I was sat yesterday in my seat at the game, thinking, right, what could he possibly do here? This was before he brought on Patrick Roberts, and I was thinking he's not going to take Ross Stewart off. He's got all of these wide players that he needs to get into the game, and we and we've seen how bad we are when we don't have width on the pitch, and the fullbacks aren't giving us width because Winchester and Circan aren't particularly great going forward. So he has to have width on the pitch, and you look at it and you think, well, he's not going to go two up front with two wingers because he just won't. That's not the modern way, is it? Like managers don't do that anymore; they don't go four four two. And I'm just looking and thinking, where where does Jermaine Defoe even fit in? And I know people had these concerns when he was signed. People said, where does he fit in? When's he going to play? And I'm looking at it now, we've got 13 games left, and I'm just wondering, what, what, what do we do? Is he literally just an mm. option when we're desperate? And even then, we were desperate in this game, and he didn't yes. get on the pitch. And, I'm and he just, didn't get on. I'm scratching my head. I mean, the only way to play him, really, is, is to it's a two-man attack, which obviously <laughs> is something that they haven't done for, mm. well... For a long time, so you've got to change. You've got to change the whole the whole makeup of the team to to get him in. He's he's not a target man, so you know. And you've got Nathan Broadhead coming in, Jeff, as well. You've got, got to remember that yeah, Broadhead's yeah. coming back soon. There's another competition 
in that position. Well, the quality that the quality of service that Defoe has had for most of his career, certainly the, the latter part of his, of his career, he's not going to get that at, at this level. He's going to have to do an awful lot more himself. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe he's playing from the start rather than you know and say right, we'll give you forty-five minutes, maybe an hour if you've if you've got the legs for it. But he's an impact sub. He's not really you know. We're not we're not getting the balls into the box. We're not creating the chances for him to have any impact. Mm. It puzzled me with with Defoe and, and Ross Stewart because last week Neil took Ross Stewart off with about 25, 20 minutes to go, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And he commented that Stewart was struggling. He played a lot of football, and he was in need of a rest. And he commented, as he said earlier, Jeff, like the the experienced players. And you know, you're looking at it and you go, well, it really is Defoe who he's who he's talking about, who who haven't got the match fitness. We had a reserve game in midweek, which to me, if if you've got somebody like Defoe who needs some minutes, you give him 45 minutes in a game like that. It was Monday, was no it was Monday morning, wasn't it? It was Monday, so yeah, it, it wasn't was like such the... a big gap between Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't as if it was Thursday night, it was Monday. There was plenty of time to to recover from that and get ready for, for Saturday. And mm. I, I was pondering this because you know, we, we do the predicted lineup for the game and um, before the game every week. And I, I was doing it on on um, Thursday, and I actually thought, you know, I, I wonder if he, he'll leave Ross Stewart on the bench this week and give to four an hour, get his, you know, give him a go, get his fitness up, and then you got Ross Stewart with fresh legs come on with thirty minutes left. And to me, that kind of made sense based off his comments from from the previous week. But then when I watched the press conference on Friday, I thought, there's no way in the world he's going to do that because he's basically saying Defoe's not fit enough to play. So you, you've got that quandary, haven't you? But like, how do how do you get fitness into the legs of players if you're not going to give them minutes on the field? Yeah, mm. uh, that is the thing with with under twenty three. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to go to reserve games all the time because not not only because it was it was close, but because you got to see players coming back from injury and you know big names maybe in the opposition, and, and yeah. that that just doesn't seem to happen now. It is you know it's under twenty threes for under twenty threes, and nobody seems to use it anymore as a way of getting getting players fit. And and by the same token, just going back to talking about the young lads, you then get young lads who only ever play against other young lads. And who get plenty oh, of time on a, the ball, it, and then suddenly problem, the pitch, yeah, you pitched into a division like this where you're up against guys literally twice your age, and it's been quite often twice your, your bulk and, and and size and muscle, and it, and it's yeah, I, I, they're looking they're looking tired because the young lads going back to that because they come up against that, but yeah, yeah, it default. I mean, the whole you know was that a factor in Lee Johnson being sacked? Nobody's definitively said it, but you'd be. Massively surprised if that wasn't one of the reasons that for, for a fallout between Johnson and Christian Speakman or, or whoever decided that Jermaine Defoe was a, was a good signing. Personally, I didn't think it was at the time, although I know the club was short of uh, short of attacking options. But yeah, he put, he put eight thousand on the gate who didn't turn up again this week. You know, maybe sold a few shirts. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I think I think in the <laughs> in the increase in gate, he probably paid for himself till the end of the season. But I would like to <laughs> yeah. see him. I would like to see something different now going forward. And I don't know what different is because you know you look at the option. You, I think what Alex Neal's got to do, he's got to isolate the biggest problems he's got currently and just find a different way of playing. And for me, that means get Dennis Serkin out of the team. If he has to play a winger and go with a back three, I would do it purely because I just think that. These lads were actually were doing them a disservice by throwing them in constantly. So I would get, I would possibly look at a way of 
getting Sirkin out of the team, which would be maybe put a wing back in. And we've done that under Lee Johnson and it's worked with varying degrees, but I think at this stage you've got to try anything. Then at centre-half, Doyle is clearly flagging. Danny Bart, you know, we've signed this. I know he hasn't played well, but we've signed him for a reason. He's come with, with experience in the higher league. You've got to get him in back in the team somehow. And I would, I would also like to just <laughs> point out that we have another centre-half who we've just not seen, which is Arbin Jamadli. And he's left-footed. He can play that same position as as Doyle, and I, I just sometimes I wonder why we're holding him back. I mean, do they think he's not up to scratch or whatever? At this stage, I think you've just got to give him a go. Then, in the middle of the park with Dan Neal, Martin, you pointed out before. I think Winchester's the natural replacement there. You know, get him out of the team for a little bit. That we're not helping them at all. We've got we've got what thirteen games left. If you take them out the firing line for two or three games. And then maybe revisit it down the line, reintroduce them very slowly. You know, I would have, I would even give them a week off. I would just say it to three of them. I would say, go on, lads, get yourselves home, have a go on holiday, whatever. You know, come back after a week, refreshed, ready for the running. Because the, the trouble is, we've got we've got no defenders, though, have we? Well, that's, that's the thing. You, you know, you, you're saying I agree with you in theory. Like going going to a back three or a back five, and having either Diaku or Gooch or Trey Hume playing the wing back positions makes sense, but. If you take Doyle out of the team as well, you've got three at a push who could play those three centre-half positions, one completely untested, one out of form and injury-prone, and the other one injury-prone. Well, so I, like, I, just, I mean, you, I just wonder if for, <laughs> for a game or two, though, is it worth trying it? Because well, I, I think I'm it like, is, but you can't, you, yeah. can't, you can't let the other lads go off and have a rest, can you? Because if somebody pulls up and training and pulls up, pre-game, you're going to need to bring them back into the, into the starting eleven. Maybe I'm being a, a bit too um, emotive with that and thinking, yeah, let's get them away on holiday. But even so, take them out <laughs> the t- just take them out of the team because it's not healthy. We, we can all see it. We can all see that they're, they're desperate to come out with the team. And you've got to now look at it and think, what do we do? What, what are we going to do to change things around? I mean, I mean clearly they, they have to do something. I, I, it's just a shame this wasn't the first... If this was the first season... Uh, in at this level, then they could maybe get away with it. Jack Ross, when things started to crumble in that in his first season, said to us because he used to quite often chat with the, the press after after press conferences and, and open up a bit more. And he said, um, he said the, the, the thing about this club is it doesn't have a plan. So the only plan is get promoted because obviously the guys who were in charge at the time didn't have the money to, to finance it beyond one year. It was, you know, it was basically got to get up this season. What what Jack Ross said was it would have been better, clearly not to say publicly, but within the club to think, right, if we don't get promoted, we're going to bring young guys through, get them all playing the same way. So it's the same system. Everybody knows how to, you know, the, the formation and how we're going to approach games. And we'll bring lads through the system, bring them on for a couple of years. If they don't get promoted in the first year or the second year, well, maybe that's just the price the club's got to pay for, for you know, getting everyone singing from the same hymn sheet. But you say, what happens is when, when the only plan is get promoted, whatever, then you just start throwing anything at it to try and make it work. And, you know, he did that and it didn't work. Phil Parkinson did it and it, and it didn't work. And it now it seemed like, Lee Johnson at the start of the season, because he's now got, in theory, has Kirill and all his money behind him, can say, right, if we don't get promoted, we're not. It's not going to completely bust the club, and we'll we'll build gradually. It's a lovely, it's a lovely idea in theory, but 
the problem you have is you've got a crowd there, you know, 30 odd thousand who are just sickened, you know, after the two relegations, successive relegations in like four, five, four years in Division Three. It's just awful when things go wrong. That's it. You, it's just like you, you can't blame them for being so so devastated. No, well, you look you look at the teams around us in the table, and they've all they're all to a degree, I would say, punching above their weight, and we're very much still stuck in. I say punching above the weight. They've got aspirations to get in the championship because that's for a lot of these clubs, the championship's the best it'll ever get. Where with us, we mm. we know the potential of this club. We know exactly how good things can be when you do get it right, and. Yeah. That that's constantly um, on the minds of people and the minds of fans. And when you go into games now, you go. I was in there yesterday, and everyone's just sick. Everyone's fed up, you know. And it's not it's it's mm. not a slight on anybody. I'm with them. I'm I'm the same. I'm exactly the same. I'm stood in my seat and I'm just apathetic to it all. That we Connor Wickham came on right. And every single person around me <laughs> said he's going to score the yeah. winner. We all knew. You, you just knew, didn't you? Yeah. Because yeah. that's just the way things are with this club. You just know these things are going to happen. You can predict it. You could you could write a book on it, and someone probably will at some point. <laughs> and you know, in, and it, it, it's in a difficult. parallel universe, in a parallel universe somewhere, England have beaten Iceland in the European <laughs> Championships, and Sam Allardyce is still yeah, it's happening somewhere. Yeah. And Sam Allardyce is still manager, and Sunderland is still in the Premier League. So you know, it, it's just we're not we're not in the same plane as that. Unfortunately. No, but but that the thing is, is now now with Alex Neal, he has to adjust. He has to somehow adjust the mindset of everybody. We aren't getting automatic promotion now. It's totally off the table. It's not happening. We would have to win every game between now and the end of the season, and we don't, we all know that's not going to happen. But what he has to do, in my opinion, we need a win. We've got to win on Tuesday. We win on Tuesday. That is your starting point to move forward, to regain some confidence, and to collectively say, look, okay, automatics may be off the table, but we need to go into these playoffs in the best possible form. Because the last two times we've done it, we weren't. We were in terrible form, and it, and by the time we played in the playoffs, people were just sick. The Lincoln game, we threw on it. I remember the time before that, um, we played Portsmouth in the semi-finals. It was the lowest crowd of the season because everyone who were just fed up of the way that they'd thrown away the the automatic promotion spot. And this time around, we've capitulated a lot earlier, so you know people can people have got a little bit more time to get used to the idea we might have to go through the playoffs. And that's his task now, not not just sorting out this team in terms of getting lads out who desperately need to come out of the team. But adjusting the mindset, like he did at Norwich, when he went in at Norwich, there was seventh in the table, like we are at the minute, funnily. There was seventh in the table that had one win in ten. The manager who was in place before him got the sack. Neil came in, and he he had to he had to he had to galvanise people. And bear in mind, Norwich had the season before dropped out of the Premier League, so people had been in the Premier League. They were expecting an automatic promotion, and Norwich got the job done with him in charge. And it's a very similar task that he's got now with Sunderland, Jeff, isn't it? Mm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was, I was quite impressed with them yesterday. Yesterday was really the first time we had any um, sort of lengthy conversations with them after the game. And, um, you know, he's, he's certainly confident in his own ability and, and he's, he's quite he's quite sort of, whoa, quite forthright. You know, certainly he talks to sort of get, if you listen to Lee Johnson for long enough, you'd sort of fall asleep as he talked in all these manager, <laughs> coach speak. And Alex Neal was just a lot more sort of blunt. And, and yeah, makes you think that that's probably what they need right now. They need, yeah. they need, they need telling. Um, but he just hasn't got an awful lot of time to uh, to try and change things around. 
well, it was the Peterborough chairman, I think, Martin, who said when he was on with Chris earlier in the season, or sorry, last season, that if you fire a manager halfway through a season, you're basically writing it off. And that's always stuck in my mind when, when I think about, you know, when they, when they sacked Johnson, it's a big call to get rid of a manager, especially when you're third in the table. You know, it's a big call to make that decision. And whether it proves to be the right one, time will tell. But Alex Neal really, is, he's come into an, a thankless situation for me. I, I just think, you know, he, a lot of these players were, were in support of Lee Johnson from what we're told. Uh, so there's that to deal with. There's all the off-the-pitch stuff which has been going on the last few weeks, which is a, uh, maybe an unwanted distraction, I don't know. And then on top of that, we aren't getting results. So what does he... I mean, I know we've mulled this over multiple times, but what does he actually do? Like, Burton's on Tuesday. What does he do? It's it's a tough one, isn't it? Because, you know, you said just before, Gav, that we have to kind of... Well, we will be um, well acquainted with the fact that we're going to be in the playoffs and everybody can kind of ramp up too, but we have, we have to actually finish in the playoffs. Yeah. And after yesterday, we're sitting outside the playoffs and mm. you've got the likes of, I think, like Chef Ware, Ipswich and Bolton who are, who are really creeping up on, on the rails there. So, you know, actually finishing in the playoffs is going to be a challenge between now and the end of the season, I think. If you look at you know, all the yeah. things that we've talked about yeah. in terms of the fitness of the players, the players who've got missing, the lack of options um, in, in defensive areas, like, it's, it's going to be a, a task Really, you know, we've got some tough games coming up. Burton, we we never seem to do a great deal against Burton, and we've got Wigan on on Saturday, haven't we? So, like, there's some. It's not a foregone conclusion at all that we're going to be be finishing in the playoffs. And if you think like that, that Wickham game, we'd beaten Sheffield five nil, went to Wickham, and we, you know it was a, a bit of a depleted side that we had to put out because of COVID. Played the game when maybe we we could have called it off, and we drew after conceding a last-minute goal. And, you know, that was a disappointing result in terms of the fact that we conceded at the very last last kick of it. But it was still a decent point away at Wickham. That was 42 days ago. Like, 42 mm. days ago. And if you look from then to now, we've completely... Well, whether we've imploded, whether it's self-sabotage, whether, you know, we've, we've completely gone from one extreme to the other. And a lot of it's of our own doing. Like yeah. when Johnson was sacked, we'd got he would had twenty six points from his previous fourteen games, which is almost at two points per game form that you, you you target for promotion. So it wasn't as if we'd gone like you said with the Norwich manager that Alex Neal took over from. It wasn't as if we'd gone one win in ten. You know we were doing all right, and we've completely fallen off off the edge of a cliff. Now who knows whether that would have happened if Johnson was in charge. Or not, as you said earlier, Jeff, like you, we just don't know. I would hazard the fact that you know the likes of Tom Flanagan would still be at the club, and Jermaine Defoe probably mm. wouldn't. Not that I'm saying um, Defoe was a problem in all of this because I don't think he is, but I doubt Johnson would have got rid of Flanagan without having a replacement in the building. But oh. Alex Neal's got a tough. I, as we said, we, he needs to get fitness back into players. He needs to rest some players so they actually come back at the end of the season stronger. But can he afford to rest players in the next two or three games? I don't think he can. Without wanting to depress anyone listening, you, you, you would have to look at it and say the playoffs look to be out of reach. You know, they, they look to be sinking so fast. And as you said, so many teams coming up on the rails. It would be actually now be a surprise if they managed to to hang on to a to a playoff place. In the week that they that they got rid of Kevin Ball as well, it just sort of highlights the fact that 
there's no leader on the pitch. You know, I mean, and there are there are a few players anyway in Sunderland's history who've been who had such an impact on the field as, as Kevin Ball did, but there's really nobody like that. Even even at you know yeah. remotely like Bawley who, who no, in bad situations. So obvious, we haven't even talked about Corey yeah. Evans, but how was he captain of this team? Because I've yeah, never known exactly. a more I've never yeah. known a more anonymous captain of Sunderland. If I'm honest, no. no. But there's nobody there when things were, were going badly who was going around and just you know shaking a fist saying, Hey, come on, pull yourselves together, get yourself. and and you know, I can't remember the last time the team had someone like that. But the only, the only player yesterday who kind of looked as if he could provide some of that in, in some respect was Matete in the first half. He was getting mm. about people getting stuck in. I think he faded quite badly in the second. But you know, he, he got the crowd up, he was chasing people, he was going into tackles. And you know, there's there's different types of leadership and being brave on the field. And you know, setting that example for other people is a is a type of leadership. It's not about shouting and pointing all the time. It's about leading by example. And I, I thought Matetti did in the first half. No, I think you're right. That that was one of the that was probably the brightest spot. It was just a shame that he was involved. I think in both the goals that uh, sent in the, the the second one, yeah. um, he gave the ball away in, in midfield. And uh, I, I hope that doesn't prey on his mind and make him think, I, you know, I can't try anything anymore because yeah, he he did actually look. But but most of the players that Lee Johnson brought in in the window, they must be sitting there thinking, so who who did I sign? <laughs> you know, I signed for this guy and now he's gone. Am I am yeah. I am I really wanted this club? It's strange. It's, yeah, Just it's, one it, of the many strange things that's happened. In the well, last it's, it's it's self sabotage, is what it is. Let's be honest. I mean, I've got nothing against Alex Neal at all. I think actually, if you know, you're looking at a, a an appointment for any club in League One, he is a coup. Like that's what we were told. By Norwich fans and Preston fans, they all said, "Oh, you're, you're getting him in League One. That's a, that's not bad," but it's the situation he's walked into, and that's when. And I mentioned this right at the start. You got to look above him, and and if we are, uh, if we are going to point the finger of blame, you know, Christian Speakman is the sporting director, so he oversees the football inside of the operation. He had a big say in whether Johnson got sacked. He had a big say in the recruitment process during the transfer window. You know, he came out after the transfer window and justified the reasons for letting Dun- Denver Hume and Tom Flanagan leave. I think the I think the the point that stuck out was that it was to do right by them because they only had a short time left on their deals. What about Sunderland, you know? You, we, we, regardless of what anybody thinks about Denver Hume and Tom Flanagan, I'll, I'll put my hand up, wasn't a massive fan of either of them. Denver, you know, injury prone when he did play a lot of games under uh, Parkinson, he was all right. Flanagan probably had his best season for Sunderland this year, but then he faded badly towards the end. Regardless of what I think of them personally, they play in two positions where we're now weaker. We didn't sign the left-back to replace Denver Hume, and we didn't sign a centre-half to, to replace Tom Flanagan. I know we signed Danny Bart, but at the start of January, we were all saying the same thing. We need a centre-half regardless. I don't think anybody factored in that Flanagan would leave. So he was allowed to leave, and we didn't replace them. And we're now looking at it and going, we need a centre-half and a left-back, and you didn't replace them. And that was a decision taken above Lee Johnson's head and Alex Neal wasn't even in the door, you know. So if we're looking Oops. to point fingers and, 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 and ask why is this happening, why is the season capitulated as badly as it has, your sporting director really is that man who has to take that on his shoulders and, and take a lot of the blame, I would say. you got you got a load of issues this, like this year and it's only, well, getting towards the end of Feb, isn't it? You've got the whole playing through coronavirus thing where we could have called games off, but we decided yeah. to play weakened sides. You've got the state of the pitch, which undoubtedly cost us 
points against Lincoln, if not Doncaster, because the pitch was just atrocious and didn't suit our style of play, and something should have been done about that there. You've got the, the timing of Johnson's sacking. Like, you can't tell me sacking the manager on the eve of the transfer window is ever going to be a good idea. No. And then you've got the, the recruitment, as Gav's outlined there, you know, the letting players go when we do, do not have replacements and you've, you've left the squad considerably weaker. And then you've got the, the whole managerial situation. You know, taking so long to appoint somebody who you could have got in the day after Johnson went, putting the people who he did put in charge of the, the first team for two vitally important games where we needed to pick up six points. Like, you look at Redden, they, they sacked the manager after the game on Saturday, and they put Paul Inson as temporary, temporary manager while they get somebody sorted out. Like, we should have had some plan in place to deal with Johnson going. And, you know, Jeff, you, you talked there about, you know, Jack Ross and when he was in charge saying that the only plan was promotion. Uh, we were led to believe there was a, a longer-term plan put in place to get this club, you know, sustainably successful over a number of seasons. And, you know, dips in form weren't going to be reacted to. We we're going to you know, see, the, see the plan out. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all hanging on getting promotion this season. But by sacking Johnson when they did, it clearly is all about getting promotion this season. And they've completely stuffed it up. And as you say, look, looking at it now, getting into the playoffs isn't by any means a, a bloody certainty. So, you know, there, there's yeah. some serious questions got to be asked about Speakman and how they've actually set this whole thing up because it is not producing what they said it was going to produce in the way they said it was going to be producing it. No. And the whole issue of, of who is in charge of the club, um, the fact that it dragged on for so long and had to be dragged out of them be, oh. before you actually found the figures. And, and so, you know, so many fans had seen Charlie Methven at, at, at every other away game because he doesn't hide. In fact, he loves being, <laughs> being around the director's well, box still. It's just symptomatic of the symptomatic of the whole the whole sort of situation at the club at the moment. It is, and it just fuels negativity and compounds the whole thing. And, like, you know, when, when you actually break it all down, the fact that, you know, Donald and Methven have shareholding still isn't a surprise. Everybody knew that. Nobody knew how it was divvied up. And when, when push comes to shove, the, the problem that people have, and rightly so because we're completely misled by the club, is that Kira Louis-Dreyfus has at least 10% less than we hoped he would have because you would hope that he had 51%, so he has the, the, the majority at least. And Donald has more than you would hope he has. And really, when you break it down, there's, there's probably 10% that's in the wrong place that you'd hope. But you know, the, by the club putting it out, and whoever put that out needs to be taken on a long walk of a short pier because to say that Dreyfus has a, a majority shareholder, but Donald has a minority, when I think there's, what, 5% difference, is ridiculous. And whoever did that, you're starting off a new ownership on completely the wrong footing because it's going to come out. And it's come out now at the worst possible time. You know, fuels negativity. You've got all of this you know, crap needlessly surrounding the club that shouldn't have ever been been an issue and it's mm. just fr so frustrating that they've let this happen and again it's that self-sabotage thing you're doing things you're going to be caught out for it it's going to come out and you, you've just stuffed it up completely yeah it also doesn't help that uh, up the road is, is one of the richest clubs in uh in the world as well, <laughs> who now, a few weeks ago, you thought, oh, it might be derbies again next season. And uh, yeah. 
Um, uh, sort of thinking that's not going to happen for another decade, is it? Well, <laughs> no. that's it. And, and that was that was that was it. After the game yesterday, all my mates and mags were peppering me with <laughs> messages about the fact we got beat. They're loving it, and if it was the other mm. way around, we'd be the same. But it's 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 this whole. I think Martin hit the nail on the head there, like talking about the whole the self sabotage thing. We we have we've totally killed our own season and like I said before when you look at the teams around us you know Ipswich have had a poor season they're coming up the rails Chef Wed uh, they, were, they were pretty unlucky to get relegated really when you think about it, it wasn't the team's fault they got relegated out of the championship it was a off field issues which led to a points deduction ended up in League One so you know all these teams are sort of fighting to get back where they where they think they should be but on different terms to us we've we were sat top of the league what six weeks ago after we beat Chef Wed mm-hmm. 5-0 and we're now level on points with them and they've got a game in hand. It just shows you how badly this season has gone. And I'm worried that the the the, the trajectory for Sunderland now is, is pointing so far downwards that all these teams who are gathering momentum, it's not going to be an issue for them to bypass us. So that game on Tuesday night, we have to win. We've been saying this for weeks, haven't we, Martin? Me and you, me and you come on here every Sunday and we, were, we have to win, win the next game. We have to win the next game. We have to win the next game. We have to win on Tuesday. We don't win on Tuesday, then I'm with you, Jeff. I think I'm struggling to see how we even finish in the top six. The, the trouble is, as well, if if we're building this team, we've got all these younger players in who you kind of think, well, you get them in, you work up on them, you, you let them develop, you let them get better. Ross Stewart, Dan Neal, you know, there's so many players who, if we do not go up this season, they're gone. Yeah. Championship clubs will pick them off. Premier Pr- League clubs Pritchard. will pick them off. Pritchard's another one. Pritch, like, there's, yeah. there's so many. Like, we will be left with the absolutely bare bones of a, a League One team. With a reduced budget again. With, all, another re- with a reduced budget. Yeah. And we're going to have to start all over again. And we're not even back at square one. We're further back than, than that. Looking up at square one, I think that would be a nice place to be. We, we aren't normally this negative, really, but, you know... It's just, it's... I was going to say, hey, the, I'm looking outside and the sun's shining anyway. That's, not, <laughs> that's it. It's down here, Jeff. I can see them. <laughs> yeah, well, like, like I said before, we've uh... got to win Tuesday night. We've got to, and I don't care how we do it. Um, I think he would do himself a big favour, Alex Neal, if he found a way to get some of those players out of the team. But he's got like a day to prepare for it. And I'm just... I'm I'm at a loss, yeah. Jeff, how he, how he even turns it around in terms... I mean, Burton are a proper bogey team for us. They always take points off us. Oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah, yeah. what do we do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> two prayers, I think, are probably about the only thing uh, <laughs> well, you well, can offer up at the moment. I didn't realise they're only sat 12th. So then it's not as if they're down the bottom of the league. They just made a, a decent signing mm. through the week, didn't they? They signed Umar Nias from, uh, from somewhere. But he used to play in the Premier League not too long ago. So yes. you can guarantee he'll yeah, probably but he, score. He, he, <laughs> Doesn't matter where where clubs are these days. I, I, I can't remember. Someone in the office said when uh, when Lee Johnson was sacked. Well, at least uh, fortunately, if I've got a manager in place, it's it's only Cheltenham and uh, who else was it? Who was the Doncaster. game? Doncaster. <laughs> so there you go. Well, that's it. Yeah. Well, we've, we've tried our best to end on a positive, but now we're probably going to have to just um, <laughs> accept the fact that we might lose again. It's and difficult at the moment. Isn't it? Well, I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm not going on Tuesday. I had I had the option to do something else on Tuesday night, and I've just, for once I've actually thought I'm not going. I can't put myself through another game, which probably means we'll win because I've seen us. I've been at every game we've been tonked this season, home and away. So 
I'm 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 gonna try and avoid it. I'll probably watch it in the pub or something, um, while I'm out doing something else. But I'm not gonna be there, and that's that's actually how, that's how far my sort of um moods changed as well. We when going yeah. into that um Doncaster game, I've never felt happier. To be honest, we were on such a high running into that game, you know, as evidenced by the amount of people who turned up for it. Uh, in a matter of weeks, I'm now like back to where I'm like I don't really want to go to the game because it was desperate yesterday and I, I, sometimes I need to give myself a break from my own sanity from being there so I can look at it a bit more objectively because emotionally it absolutely ruins you sometimes being in that stadium watching them the way they are it, like we, we're sitting here talking about a potential another season in League One and I just I actually think the longer we are down here it's, it's going to kill the club because mm-hmm. you know you can't sustain a club this size in League One. You can't, and we 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 just have to finish in the top six. I don't care how we do it; it's got to be done. And like I've said repeatedly, Tuesday night at Burton is the starting point. It has to be. And if we don't win, I mean, we'll be back I, to talk. I, I about do it, remember but... someone. Po- I do remember someone pointing out that uh, that Sheffield United spent six years in at, at this level and still managed to make it back to the Premier League. And I remember. Thinking six years, what? That no, that the sun won't be down there that long. Well. So, but it, but it can be it can be done if there's one if there's one brave hope. It's that you know Sheffield United did prove you can you can come back. So uh, well, maybe everyone should just yeah. cling to that. That's a positive to end on. <laughs> yeah, we'll end it there. Well, thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate your time. Cheers, um, you've you've um, you've Pleasure, added some clarity to this. Uh, to this shit show of a podcast. But um, yeah, <laughs> thanks everyone for joining us. We're going to be back um, probably after the Burton game, maybe during the week. It depends if we win, I suppose. If we win against Burton, then people might want to talk about it. Um, but yeah, join us on rokerreport.com all the way through the week as we bring you all our latest bits and pieces. And yeah, sorry we couldn't be more positive, but literally there's nothing to be positive about at the minute. Cheers everyone, thanks for joining us. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com this is the story of the one As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done.